I was uh, reminded this morning how important each person is as we had, uh, uh, we didn't have any greeters this morning. Our two normal greeters are out, both out this morning, different places that they're serving, and so they're not here this morning. And so I stepped in and I realized how badly I am at that and so how much we need somebody else to do that. But just all the hands that, that make it possible on a Sunday morning, I'm so thankful. Joe, with, with prayer and that, that cute little mission girl, I mean, she's really cute. I, I like her. I, she's a little bit special. But, uh, but missions moment, the guys in the sound booth, and they're not so cute. But no, anyways, no. But no, there are so many hands. Uh, people mowing the lawn, the snacks, everything that's provided, uh, the worship team. Uh, I am grateful and thankful that it does not rely upon one person here, that it is truly a, a group effort, a church coming together and serving together. And so I just want to say thank you for that and was reminded of that this morning. And don't worry, next week someone else will be greeting. I won't be doing it. Um, and uh, I think Pat and I got in trouble because we were talking too loud about fishing. So I got the shh, shh Pastor Charlie. So anyways, uh, it's all good. Um, we're going to continue in our series. Uh, we're still in the book of Colossians. Um, I still got plenty of material. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're going to be there for a little while. Um, but we've been working through the book of Colossians. And uh, Paul wrote that letter uh, to the church in Colossae. And remember, it's not just a church. It's a group of churches. In fact, we're going to even learn about one of the other churches that are in the area. You know, a little spoiler alert or a teaser, uh, the church in Laodicea which is mentioned in Revelation as well, but that's going to be mentioned. But it's an area. It's uh, the Lydian Valley. And again, there are a group of churches, and Paul writes to them. But remember, Paul hadn't visited. The, the, Paul had not, was not the founder of that church. Epirius was the, the founder of the church, and Paul got his information from him. Paul was actually in prison at the time. Paul had never been there, but he was only on second hand learning about this church. But he knew the area. And he knew some of the struggles. And so Paul is addressing those churches in hopes to help them and to protect them. It has a different, Colossians has a different feel to it. Um, if you were with us last summer, we went through the, the book of Corinthians and the Corinth church. And like I said, praise God, I was not the pastor of that church because there were a lot of problems in that church. But the good thing is we got to learn from that, right? We, we learned what's a little bit different. It's and the right way to do things, and that was helpful. Church in Colossae is a little bit different. It's a, a pretty well established. It's doing fairly well, but they're under attack. All right, we have guests here today, so I got to tell them one more time. I do not ask rhetorical questions. Paul does, Jesus does, but I don't. So what was the greatest threat to the church in Colossae? What? Idols, yeah, that was partly, you're right, but there's another problem, probably a little bit bigger than idols, but that's not a bad one, Steve. There we go. All right, yes. Last week, it was a little bit, it took a while before we got to that point. Bryce said he was just holding back, but I'm not sure. I think he was taking a nap back there or something. No, I'm just kidding. He's, he's, He's alert and attention. So, all right, false teachers, and that is the main problem, false teachers, is that a problem that went away with the church in Colossae? No. No. Sadly, we still have it today. We still battle the same battles that the early church battled way back then, almost 2,000 years ago. It's the same battle, right? There's false teachers, false doctrine. Who is the major theme of the book of Colossae? You had to, or Colossians, sorry. The, 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 what's the, the, the most centralized person? 
the supremacy of Christ. Actually, that's even the title of my message today, the supremacy of Christ, but Jesus Christ. Thank you, Linda. Got it. You even nailed my title down. I don't know how you did that. That's pretty good because that's a secondary thing. But Jesus Christ is the center focus, right? Holy Spirit's only mentioned once, God the Father only a couple times. It's really focusing on Jesus Christ. Because what you believe about Jesus Christ determines how you live. And Paul knows that. And, and Paul says, if you know Jesus and you put him in the right place, when false things come about him, you're going to be okay. You're going to say, no, that's, I reject that. That's not true. And so that's the main thrust of the whole letter. But we see it in stages. Paul's gracious. He gives us in little bites. And again, he's writing this not only for the church there, but for the church today. In chapter 1, at the beginning, we, we looked at Christ as the head of the church, right? He is the one that is the head of the church, and everything flows through him. Our salvation, our sanctification, our lives flow through Jesus Christ. Last week, we learned about Jesus Christ, the reconciler, right? He reconciles us to God. We, we can't get to God without Jesus Christ. And despite what's out there, there are not many ways to heaven. There's only one way, and it's only through Jesus Christ. And so Paul's going to continue that argument, and we're going to be in chapter 2 today. We're not going to do all of chapter 2. It's a lot there, but we're going to do the beginning of chapter 2. But it just strengthens that argument about Christ and how important Christ is. And so today we're going to look at the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He is the beginning, the end, and everything flows through him. So, if you have your Bibles, if not, wow, they even, wow, they're really, you even got the title up there. I don't think that ever happened. So, good job. All right. Chapter 2, verse 1 it says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not met me. And you. my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit, and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Five verses, but we see really the purpose and what we were just talking about, right? This is Paul talking. He says, hey, I am struggling for you, right? He's laboring. Now, Paul is in prison, right? So what can Paul do from prison? Well, we know he can write the letters, right? But what's the other thing that he can do? Pray. Yeah. Paul is praying, and he's saying, I'm struggling. And I think there was a desire. Paul wants to be there. He knows that that, that church is it's fragile, and it's, it's just coming around, and they're being attacked. And he wants to be there, but he's struggling. He says, you know what? I'm struggling for you. I'm urging to be there, but I'm, I, I can pray for you. I can write this note to encourage you. I often get that from people to you. Those are the things Paul's doing from prison. It's amazing. Um, I quite often get that from people like, I don't know what to do, you know? My, my dad, my dad's in a nursing home, and it's pretty restrictive. And, and, and you know, my dad says, well, I, I try to be encouraging to those I run into, and he says, I pray. And I said, Dad, that's, that's, that's more than enough. That's great at, at this point in your life. 
Don't neglect praying, right? Praying covers those distances. Praying covers those folks that we care about. And Paul says that, I struggle. Even though I can't be there, I'm praying for you. Then his purpose. I love it. It's easy. I like it when when Scripture just kind of gives it to you point blank. I don't have to, to, to wrestle with it too much, and it's pretty straightforward, right? It says, my purpose is that I may be encouraged in heart and united in love, right? That connection, right? Paul's connecting with them. He wants them to be encouraged, right? Does anyone here like to be discouraged? I don't either, so, right? We all, right? I've never met anyone yet that I've, I've, I've sent a word of encouragement and they're like, oh no, please, I'm full, I'm all set, don't encourage me anymore, I, I don't need it. Right? No, we all want to be encouraged. We need it, right? Yes, we can get too far to the other side, but reality is we all enjoy some encouragement. We like to be recognized. We like to be lifted up. And so Paul's writing this to encourage this church to continue on, to continue in the spirit that they have. And he says, united in love, right? That love that binds. If you don't know what love is or how that works, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we spent a whole Sunday on it, but it's, it's there in our Bible. It gives us a really good picture. Again, then that love is not just for husband and wives, even though we do it at weddings. It's for brothers and sisters in Christ, right? It's an action word. Love is patient. Love is kind. Self-seeking. Joe mentioned forgiveness this morning. That's part of that love as well, right? No, not keeping records of wrong. That's that unforgiveness. You're keeping something of offense held. And certainly that's important. Again, that keeps unity, keeps us together. Paul also gives us a little bit here. He says, the Christ whom is hidden, right? The treasures of all wisdom and knowledge. There was another problem. The, the, the teachers of that day, not the ones in the church, but the outside, would quite often say, well, you need a special revelation. You need this special knowledge. The body was evil. The mind was everything. But gaining knowledge without love, but useless, right? And what knowledge and wisdom we gain is important, but who is it founded in? Wisdom only comes from knowing truth. And that's what Paul is referring to here when he's talking about those treasures that are hidden in Christ. He reveals those things to us, right? The, the concept here is that we continue to grow. Now, we're blessed. We, we have God's Word, right? It's all been put together for us. We can, can read it. We also have the Holy Spirit, which illuminates it to us. And as we go through it, He gives us discernment. We have all those things. Remember, that early church didn't have... God's written word all put together. They had speakers. They had preachers. This would be the, the, the time, and people would pass it on from person to person. But there's danger in that because it can be changed. And so Paul's saying, hey, hold back to those truths. Right? We also see that Paul has encouraged them for a couple of things here at the end of verse 5. He says, I am present in the body and delight to see. He delights to see how orderly and how firm their faith in Christ is. Right? Again, it's not a problem church. This is a church that's doing well. And he's, Paul's saying, hey, I delight in you because you are being orderly and firm. Right? Firm in the faith. You're holding true to what's most important. 
That word orderly is kind of, kind of interesting because the, the Greek word kind of puts it into like a military type thing. And we don't think of churches being military by any means. And uh, there's not generals and, and sergeants and we don't salute and, and we don't do those things. But in the context of that it's order, it has order to it. It's not chaotic. It's not random. It's not wishy-washy. It's not all over the place. There is some order to our services. And again, we see places today, and quite often that's where some of the false teachers are, where it's hodgepodge, it's chaotic, it's confusing. We can safely say that God is a God of order, and everything has a place. And that's not void of being led by the Holy Spirit. I know from my charismatic people get way too far on this side, and you can come too structured where there's no freedom. But there should be a sweet spot there, a healthy tension in the middle. Right? And I think that's what Paul is talking about here. You, you've got those things, and you're doing well. So there's a lot in these first five verses that Paul is transferring and letting them know, hey, you're okay, but I want you to remain in that. Now we're going to see some of the ongoing problems, some of the attack that's coming here. These next two verses are key to this, this passage, in verse 6 and 7. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, up and continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, you, some of you know I like to underline my Bible, highlight. Guess what? I got this one in my, my other one, my older Bible. It's highlighted and underlined because these are key verses, right? These are, are key. These are good reminders, right? Just as you received Jesus Christ, salvation, right? Don't forget that. That's important. But then it says as you continue on, right, that growth. What do I do with that once I'm saved? What do I do after? It's always exciting for me when someone comes to know Christ. And we point them back to God's word. And so they can, Pastor Charlie, what do I do next? Right? And we point them back to God's word. And so they can continue to grow. And they continue to develop and mature. That's what that continue on. Live in him. Not forgetting Jesus. He's the source. But to continue on. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. Rooted. I've heard that somewhere. Tony, where is that? Is that some theme for a camp this summer? Or? Somewhere. somewhere, somewhere, I'm sure. That's, that's a theme for, for Camp Jim for the summer. And uh, I'm not preaching, if you're coming to, to, to hear family camp, I'm not preaching on Colossians, just so you know. But, but this verse would have worked. This, certainly, I could have used this, right? But that, that rooted, right? Rooted and built up in him, right? That, that grounding is what the, the thought here. And me being a wood booger, and you guys know what that term is, a wood booger, right, is that, that tree, right? That rooted as far as deep, running down, holding fast, right? Not easily moved or swayed. Kind of the picture, the imagery here. Or you can go with a rooted, built up, right? The, the foundation. You know, in Sunday school, we used to sing that song, right? The, the foolish man built his house in the sand, the wise man built it on the rock. The same thing, that built up, you, you work off of a, a good foundation and collapse. Because if your foundation isn't good, then the whole structure is suspect and can collapse. Sadly, we've seen that happen in Florida, and so we think of those folks down there as well. But strengthened, right? What, what, what holds it together? What's strengthened it, right? Again, back to our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And don't miss this last part because it's important here. It says, with overflowing with thankfulness, right? And who are we to thank for that? God, Jesus, right, certainly, right? We thank him. We give him thank for anything that he sees in us, right? That, that overflowing, that thankfulness for what Christ did on the cross for us. So again, this is key to the passage because he's, he's building up, he's encouraging them, and he's saying, hey, you've got a good start here, now continue on in that. Continue to work. Stay rooted in him, stay strong, and you're going to be okay. Verse 8, we see the problem. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. Some people thought that this, there's two things going on here, deceptive and hollow philosophy, but really they're the same, right? Because again, if it's deceptive, it's not built on anything, so it's hollow or it's empty. But the key is it's, it's something that's going around. Culture is infiltrating or attacking the church on a continual basis, and again, there's no, no depth to it, right? And the thought here is that it takes you captive. It, it distracts you or takes you away from what Jesus did on the cross. Anytime you hear any breakdown of Jesus or adding on to Jesus, be wary, right? Be really discerning, because what it's saying is there's a problem here. Something's not quite right. I think one of the, the things that I hear probably most today is experiences, right? And, I'm, and people have experiences, and, and certainly we do. We have, you know, supernatural experiences or, or something's happened in our life, and that's important to us, and I'm not taken away from that. But at no point does it ever supersede Christ or never, does it ever supersede Scripture, right? Sometimes we get in the way. Our experience becomes our foundation or our belief system, and it pulls us away from what Jesus did. That's just one. There are many philosophies that attack the church today. Finances, right? Prosperity gospel. There's lordship where it's all about obeying, right? All the focus is on works. Again, those are deceptive. They're hollow. They're not rooted in Christ. You know, what can I do? We have to watch. Anything that pulls you off those moorings is wrong. And we have to be careful. We have to watch out for those. Right? But back to Jesus, the foundation, the solid. Verse 9. It says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, which has been buried with him in baptism and raised with him to your faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead. I loved, we, we sang, you sang that song, and I thank Ernie for picking it, or, and, and you guys for singing it, right? What we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ, the, the Godhead, the resurrection, right? This passage certainly speaks to that. Right? I also talked about circumcision, right? That uh, was another problem of the day. The Jews wanted to go back to the law. They wanted to go back to the old system. Back in chapter 1, we, we heard how the Gentiles, it was one of the mysteries, now the Gentiles could come to Christ, not through ritual, but directly through Jesus Christ. And so there's that connection. Also, the, 
the reference here to the circumcision, the circumcision not done by hands, right? The new covenant, the circumcision done in our hearts. Again, through Christ. Also mentioned in here is the, the authority of Jesus, right? Which we get back to the title here, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He's been given the authority and power over all things. Right? And the fullness, all things. Because guess what? In that day, they had people that worshipped things that were not of Christ. Even angels. You say, well, angels are pretty cool. If you read Hebrews chapter 3, Jesus is above the angels. Right? He has control over all. Jesus is supreme. Again, some of the teaching was trying to pull Jesus down and lift something else above him. But Steve, you weren't too far off, right? That's, that's idolatry, right? Anything that gets ahead of, of Jesus, idolatry, and certainly that's part of false teaching. But they were teaching this, that no, Christ, Christ was just a man, or it was just his bodily form. Or maybe he didn't really rise from the dead. Maybe it was something else. There was even teaching the other day, well, the resurrection you know, may or may not have happened, but that really wasn't Jesus. That was just a ghost or a form that looked like Jesus. Again, diminishing what he did. You connect with him. We have the hope of the resurrection through Jesus Christ. Again, heavy dose of good, solid doctrine in these passages. It helps us. It kind of pulls us to that, that rootedness, that, that what we need when we hear things that are not true coming at us. Verse 13. I'm just going to wrap up here with these next couple of verses. It says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations and against us that stood opposed to it, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Again, Paul wraps this up and he points them back to the cross. Right? Because when you were dead in your sins, right? You were, you were destined, I hate to say it, but you were destined for hell. That's where you were headed. And if it were not for Christ taking that penalty upon himself and dying on the cross, we'd have no hope, no way to get to heaven. Right? We're dead in our sins, but we're made alive in Christ. We're eternal beings. We have that hope of being with Christ. Right? And again, it goes back to forgiveness of sins. Right? We can't pay that debt on our own. We're not perfect enough. We can't do enough good things. We, we just can't. There's no way except through Jesus Christ. And so if you take that away or you try to do that in your own strength, that's false teaching. And Paul's saying, no, don't get away from that. He nailed it on the cross. It was finished. Right? It's powerful. And it says he disarmed the authorities, right? He defeated death in that. We sing some of those songs, right? Death has no grip, no power on us, no hold on us. Yes, our physical bodies are going to die, but it's not the end. Think how sad it is for those who live in a, in a world where this is all there is. This world is, is all they've got. They've got nothing else. 
and they're disappointed, they're disillusioned, they're chasing after things, and it doesn't satisfy. They're walking dead. Now, that's not the show that the, the, that was a long-running series, no. But they are. They're walking dead because they don't know Christ. They're not made alive. And where does that life come from? Christ. Jesus. It comes through Jesus Christ. The reference to the public scandal, again, could be just alluding to those religious leaders of that day. Um, but either way, it, it's just pointing to how important the cross was, what a defining moment that was. And again, sometimes as older believers, we tend to forget about that. Joe's verse mentioned compassion, be kind and compassionate, right? When you see those who don't know Christ, um, certainly we can have compassion on them. But also, don't leave them there. Share your faith. Share what Christ has done. Share how you're alive in Christ. And part of your testimony, part of what God's word says, the way to salvation. So, simple question. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Remember, if we take away from it or we add to it, we're in trouble. The other thing that Paul was alluding to here is, are you growing in your knowledge and wisdom of Jesus? How do you do that? And then lastly is another reflective question I want to leave you with this morning. How well-rooted are you? How well-rooted are you? Are you grounded? Can you recognize false teaching? How well-rooted are you? Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for uh, the means of salvation. We thank you for the gift. The gift that you gave by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, the, the hope that we have in you, share that. Oh, Lord, uh, give us that passion. Give us that burning desire to share that with those who don't know you. Lord, may we also be on watch for those who are trying to lead us astray or take us captive with false doctrine, that we would be rooted enough to, to weather the storms. Lord, help us to continue to grow. Help us to continue to encourage Lord, I thank you for our time this morning. I thank you for each and every person that's here. Lord, may we be a blessing to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.